Welcome to the RTO Superhero Podcast with me, Angela Connell, where we explore the complexities of compliance and how to ensure business success within an RTO. This podcast is for anyone in the training industry who wants to learn from my experience as an RTO consultant, RTO manager, trainer assessor, and entrepreneur, as well as the experience of other experts in the training industry. Listen in and let us help you become an RTO superhero that you want to be. Hi, and welcome to the RTO Superhero Podcast. In today's session, we'll be going through a little overview of job training, which is the government funding that's currently uh, being released by the federal government to individual states for RTOs to be able to access, well, it's actually for uh, unemployed to be able to access. So we're going to go through a quick snapshot of those. So this year, unemployment hit 7.8% at its highest rate in two decades, which is the reason why the government has decided to release the job trainer government funding. There's two parts to the job trainer government funding. There is apprenticeships and traineeships, of which $1.5 billion um, has been contributed to at an aim to keep those already employed employed. So there were quite a few trainees and apprentices that were laid off uh, due to COVID-19. And now the government really focus on being able to bring them back into the workforce. The other part is school leavers and unemployed. There's over 500 million for vocational education and training courses. And the funding is conditional on matching funds from the states of which all of the states have now matched. So let's break this down a little bit further. Apprenticeships and traineeships. So with apprenticeships and traineeships, they're going to be subsidising wages. Currently employed apprentices and trainees can uh, have have an extension to their pre-existing program called support apprentices and trainees. What the government will be doing is covering half the wage eligible to employers to pay their apprentices and trainees. And this is up to $7,000 a quarter. Unlike JobKeeper, employers do not need to demonstrate a downturn in income to qualify. JobTrainer does not provide any new incentives or subsidies to encourage new traineeships or apprenticeships, although that trend tends to be changing. So at the moment, not, not it's not there, but that trend tends to be changing. So what's in it for RTOs? So when we look at the VET sector in accordance with JobTrainer, there is $340,000 um, that, or no, actually 340,000 places uh, for free or low-cost courses have been uh, put into place. So the funding will prioritise courses in areas identified by the National Skills Commission, and uh, these are generally uh, skill shortages and growth areas. So the growth areas include healthcare, community services, social assistance, transport, warehousing, manufacturing, retail, wholesale and trade. So what are the training opportunities? It is anticipated that the funding will be for shorter courses and skill sets and the focus is to provide students with entry into new industries. The idea is is that um, with 
training organisations and associations such as um, uh, Itaca. Uh, their focus is to build a bridge between providers and the government and looking at what we can do as registered training organisations to be able to help out through uh, COVID-19 um, and in, in particular for the recovery. Troy Williams from Itaca who is the chief executive, stated uh, earlier this year, the Australian government's advice to ITICA is that they support contestability, thus allowing independent RTOs to deliver elements of the job trainer program. This is a great outcome and we'll be working with the Australian government on these details. So what are the numbers? So the numbers at the moment stand at for the for Canberra or Australian Capital Territory five thousand seven hundred, New South Wales is one hundred and eight thousand six hundred, Northern Territory three thousand two hundred, Queensland sixty eight thousand five hundred, South Australia twenty three thousand five hundred, Tasmania seven thousand one hundred, Victoria eighty eight thousand nine hundred, and Western Australia thirty five thousand two hundred. So that's a lot of places around Australia where there will be government funding. I have in the past owned and operated my own RTO as uh, in the uh, in a range of subjects. So we had aged care, disability, community services, hairdressing, beauty, tourism, event management, childcare, business, hospitality, live production, uh, you name it. We had a lot of uh, different training products in our scope of registration. And when I owned this RTO, which was over 10 years ago that I sold that RTO, I was right in the middle of Productivity Places Program, which is the last time there was any government funding like this that came out. And during that time, I learned a lot. There were so many things that I learned about, you know, what I needed to do to be prepared for government funding. Earlier this year, we ran a job trainer funding course um, where I went through the process of what you needed to do to prepare for job trainer. So this was based on my years of experience of working in the training industry and in particular when I was getting access to the Productivity Places program. So if you've been in the training industry for a while, you most probably have heard of uh, Productivity Places program, also known as PPP. So when that came out, before that, we had funding that was called work skills vouchers, uh, which was pretty much a rort. Um, I actually had heard of RTOs who had taken names off gravestones to be able to uh, and claiming them as students. So there was some very dodgy stuff that was happening. And then we went over to Productivity Places program. One of the things, uh, so the first time I'd actually ac accessed any government funding was through this uh, work skills voucher program. And I submitted my application for that uh, when it came out. And when I submitted it, I went a little bit above what I normally would charge for the training. And at the time I was in Newcastle and the fees were pretty low um, our, and our competitors, there were a lot of them. So we had to keep the fees really low. Um, so I didn't, I, I think I put something like $1,250 for a Cert 3 in individual support. Um, and what I, what uh, happened was uh, the State Training Authority got in contact with me and said, um, do you think you might want to change the price for what you are charging uh, for your uh, Cert 3 course? And I went, 
uh, I already have increased it. Uh, and they said, uh, no, no, I think you should increase it. And I said, well, how much should I increase it by? And they said, well, the cap is 3000 And I went, oh, okay, fine. <laughs> so because I didn't want to, you know, seem greedy, I went to and a half thousand dollars, which I thought was a lot. And what I did was I included a pack for the students that included a pencil case with pens and pencils and a folder. Um, and we also got them a uniform allowance because I had discussed with the job network providers at the time what their needs were. And they said that's, you know, one of the issues is that we get them into the course and then we have no funding to be able to uh, set them up to do the training and in particular go to work placement. So I I had added that uh, to my training based on feedback from the job network providers. Following that was Productivity Places Program. When uh, when word got around that there was going to be this government funding, I did a whole heap of research into what I needed to do in order to... um, be in the best position to be able to offer training under under the Productivity Places program. One of the things that I did was I identified what were the skill shortages in our area and what I also went to the job network providers and asked them and did a survey of, you know, what did they need? What qualifications should I put on my scope? I'm going to do an additional scope to meet this PPP requirement. What did they want? And they came back to me and said uh, disability, community services, um, and then a few of the other training products that we already had on our scope of registration. So I added those to my scope of registration and did quite a bit of prep. I organised trainers and assessors at different sites. I secured training rooms, um, not just in Newcastle and the Central Coast. Uh, We're also out in the Hunter Valley and all the way up to Coffs Harbour. So we had quite a few training rooms sorted out and so when the um, application came out which was 5 p.m on a Friday afternoon when most people have knocked off for the day and gone home I received an email from the government uh, stating that the applications were open for productivity places program so I went into my email and I started the application Within an hour, by 6pm, I had my application submitted to the government. On the following Monday morning, I received a phone call from the government stating that I was successful in getting the Productivity Places program, uh, which I was ecstatic about, and we secured uh, it was something like $1.1 million worth of government funding. Uh, so we secured all the locations that we needed and we also secured um, the numbers that we wanted. And um, what I did was that same day I went out to the job network providers, said we're all ready to go, sent out my marketing material, sent out the enrolment forms and what the process was. And by the following week we had five classes of 25 students commence their training um, in individual support. We also had community services and aged care. That was the first round that we got started. We then delivered um, a whole heap of other training as well and had more classes. Um, That was mainly in Newcastle that we got started. And what I learned from that was so much because it was due to me being on the ball, ready to go um, and be able to uh, have all of the facilities, all the equipment in place, 
Uh, also made sure I had all of the trainers and assessors in place as well. One of the other things is that we had moved into bigger premises. So we were in a two-room uh, training centre and I moved into a five-room training centre. So what did I do that was so successful? I prepared, 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 took big risks and it was a big payoff. I networked with job network providers and employers and added training products to meet the skill shortage needs. Now, some of the issues that I had as well um, whilst I was doing this, was I was pretty greenhorn at this stage uh, when it came to government funding, but a little lot very quickly. Um, what I had done was we completed five, those five classes of 25, and we still had more going along and we had more that were enrolling. The way the payments were supposed to come out is we were supposed to get a commencement, midway and completion payment. Anyway, we'd finished the training and it was actually 12 weeks later and we still hadn't seen a cent from the government. Uh, when I contacted the government for the commencement payment, and said, you know, you're overdue. It says in the contract that this is when you're going to, you're going to pay within two weeks of me submitting my application, um, which I had done uh, pretty much straight away. Um, and they said, oh, Angela, well, the issue is you're the first RTO in Australia to submit and be approved for the Productivity Places Program. And the problem is, is that we haven't got our systems in place yet to be able to pay you. And I went, well, that's all well and good, but I've got bills to pay. <laughs> um, it was quite good to know that I was the um, first training organisation to be able to access the government funding. But through those 12 weeks, I was robbing Peter to pay Paul. I was uh, calling suppliers and saying to them, look, we're getting money. We're waiting for it to come through. Um, it hasn't come through yet. It's the government. We know we'll get paid. We just don't know when. And thankfully, we had a lot of suppliers who did let us um, not pay them. Uh, I had all of my credit cards tapped to the max. I had uh, my overdraft on my home loan um, tapped to the max. We had nothing. I wasn't paying myself. Um, there was even some trainers that I wasn't paying. I negotiated with them that I would give them a bonus if they let me pay them in bulk at the once we got the government funding through. It was so stressful. <laughs> it was a lot of stress that I went through. But I did learn a lot. Um, and it made me stronger as an RTO. And from there, we went from oh, strength to strength. We built the whole RTO. We, we built a really good brand. The job network providers loved working with us, um, and we had an awesome system in place. So how did I do this? Um, I identified the skill shortages, surveyed the job network providers, secured training venues and expanded developed a TAS and a DAP uh, for the addition to scope and had my research completed before the contract actually came out. I also had all of the students ready to commence straight away. What I wish I had done is secured more money before commencing the training, but it all paid off in the end, so I wasn't very disappointed. So I just wanted to share that little story with you because it's really important with what's happening right now with Job Trainer and what the government really wants. So um, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, has actually said the jobs and skills we'll need as we come out of this crisis are not likely to be the same as when we um, came, 
those that were lost. So the problem is there is that we have unemployed, but the jobs are going to change and the skills requirements are going to change. So as an RTO, you really need to identify what those skills are going to be. Now, at the moment, there's still a few issues with job trainer and in particular the states because there's federal government handed it over to the states. And the problem is with those is that the states have totally different systems and practices for releasing that government funding. Um, we, I, I sat on an ITACA uh, webinar uh, about a month ago with the New South Wales State Training Authority and they really didn't know much at all about job trainer. Um, and I've had a range of clients have the same situation where they had providers who didn't um, so the State Training Authority didn't know anything about uh, this job trainer government funding and how it was going to roll out. So those are changing and so the forecast for the future is job trainer is going to be around in some sort of form. It may not be called job trainer, but that's where the initial funding came from, um, is going to be around for the next three years because they've anticipated it's going to take three years for recovery uh, from COVID-19 and the unemployment crisis that we currently have. So I encourage you as an RTO to really identify what those skill shortages are and add to your scope um, and identify what, what are those that you could deliver and add them to your scope because it's not just now, it's the next three years that we need to plan for. And it's really important right now that the training industry steps up and they are there for the country and providing the education that we need uh, within Australia to be able to pull us out of COVID-19. Anyway, that's a quick snapshot of Job Trainer and where we are right now. I will be uh, talking a lot more about Job Trainer and other things that will be happening in the industry on our new RTO Superhero podcast. Thank you very much for joining me today and I look forward to getting more news to you soon. You've been listening to the RTO Superhero Podcast with me, Angela Connell. If you'd like access to the show notes and any other resources or to find subscription options, you can find us at vivacitypodcast.com.au. The RTO Superhero Podcast is proud to be part of the Experts on Air Podcast Network.